0: Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have to be here to worship you. The reason we live is to worship you. And to hear your word. And to serve you in your kingdom. As we serve your precious children. By your spirit. We trust you. that, Father, you will teach us. We trust you that you will help us to understand you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's be seated, please. Our topic is dealing with the spirit of fear, part two. Last Sunday we were looking at fear and what causes fear and how to deal with fear. Now, it's not God's will for any of us to live in fear. In Luke chapter seven, chapter one, verse seventy-one, Luke one seventy-one, it says, "Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us." Verse seventy-two, He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering His sacred covenant. uh, Seventy-four, the covenant He swore. With an oath to our ancestor, Abraham, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And so God has made arrangements for all his children And has assured us that we can serve him without fear. Because he has taken care of anything that will really be a source of fear for us. And so if God doesn't want us to serve him with fear, then fear doesn't come from God. It cannot be the same God who says, I don't want you to serve me with fear. That turns around and brings a situation of fear. Fear comes from the one who loves to torment people, loves to possess people loves to do things by force, is a killer, it's a destroyer. So it's come from the devil. And the thing we can do is not to allow the devil a place in our hearts, in our lives. Because if we do, one of the things he will do is to create fear. Because through fear, he has entrance into our lives. Like Ephesians 4, 27 told us, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And so we need to make sure that we away with these things that give him a foothold, in our lives the same things also cause spiritual clog to your mind with all manner of iniquitous thoughts doubts, unbeliefs, suicidal thoughts all manner of things that are ungodly that he tries to plant into our hearts and then to bring torment and so we need to make sure that we do away with those things. That we take them out of our lives. We need to purge ourselves of all these sinful things that clog our minds. And then the flow of the word of God is not really going. I heard one of the most famous preachers in this country. And perhaps in the world for now. She was sharing how her faith was not working. Nothing was working. And she went to God and said, this is not working for me. And the Lord said, because you are a selfish person. You see how that clogged, clogged up the move of God for her. It clogged it up. He didn't allow the word of God to, to penetrate her mind. It blocked it. And I was reading after a, a, sweet, a man that God used uh, many years back in England. How he realized that he was always angry, always angry. He he was not educated. The wife taught him to read and write. And if your wife teaches you to read and write, it might create some jealousy. So he said he was always very angry. And he went to the Lord and said, I cannot serve you with this heart. This, my heart is polluted. And he went to the Lord and closed the door and said, I'm not living here until you root out this thing that is making me angry in my life and god did and god did the bible emphasizes that we need to purge ourselves we need to clean ourselves up in second corinthians six seventeen, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate said the lord and touch not the unclean thing and i will receive you and will be a father unto you And you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Then in Hebrew 12, 15, reading it from Amplified Version, it says, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace. He's talking to the church to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root, no root of resentment, no root of rancor, no root of bitterness, no root of hatred, and you can go on and on, no root of immorality, um, uh, adultery, fornication, no root of greed, no, you, can go, you, can, you can go on and on, you can go on and on, no root of distance, in order that no root of resentment or whatever you can substitute there, Shoots forth; it comes out and causes trouble and bitter torment. You see what we should do with this thing: bitter torment, and the, and then many become contaminated and defiled by it. It degrades the Christian. It, it makes the Christian walk below his glorious position in Christ. And limits you to be able to be used of God to do glorious things. Defies the Christian. It lowers the Christian. It inhibits the Christian. Torments the Christian. Because anything that will take away our boldness will create fear. And then he give example of some of the things that he's talking about in verse 16 that no one may become guilty of sexual vice, of sexual vice, or become a profane, a godless or sacrilegious person, as Esau did, who sold his birthright for a single meal. So we need to really purge these things. We can't exchange the glory of Jesus for a single meal. We can't exchange our position as sons of God for a single meal. For a single meal. Something that satisfied for a moment. For a single meal. So in 2 Timothy 2.21, it says, If any man therefore purge himself from this. You see, this word purging keeps occurring in scripture. If any man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. In chapter 7 of Second Corinthians, I think it's chapter 7. Second Corinthians chapter 7, yes, from verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. You see, the word cleanse, the word purge, it keeps recurring in scripture. And it's talking to Christians. It's not talking to heathens. Matthew 15, 13, the Lord says, But he answered and said, Every tree which my heavenly Father had not planted shall be uprooted up. Everything God has not planted in my life and your life needs to be rooted up. It's the wild tree. It doesn't bear the fruit. It doesn't bear the fruit that God is looking for. You see, there are things we do because we have this root of it in our minds, not our spirit. We're born again. Our spirit is pure. There's no doubt about that. But we're talking about our heart. From where all the issues of our life come. From where it comes. Jesus said, out of the heart of man comes all these things. We're born again. I mean, our spirit is pure. But our mind needs to be worked on. It needs to be worked on. So there are things we do. We have this fruit in it. And when it springs up, it shows. It really shows. So we cannot uh, overlook them. We cannot let them continue. It is time to purge them. Can I hear Amen? Mark seven twenty, and he said that that which cometh out of the man that that defiled the man, for from within, from within, from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts. Adulteries, fornications, mothers. It will surprise you how adulterous the, the church is. It will surprise you how people live in open adultery and fornication in the body of Christ. It will shock you. The kind of things you see, greed, uncontrolled emotion, anger out of control anger right in the body of Christ. It will surprise you. And we don't even think it's anything at all. But the scripture is talking about purging distance. Purging them. There are some experiences that will need to to go away in your heart. That cause you fear and cause you you know, to do great evil. There are some things that people say to you time ago. That thing is still frustrating your heart and causing you to be angry against them or angry against people. There are experiences you've had which have caused some bitterness in your heart and, and, and it makes you act in misgraced aggression. There are even experiences that have been very pleasurable to you but they have locked you into immorality too. Be honest with you. Even some marriages cannot be consummated. Cannot be consummated because in the heart of one, somebody there is something that's blocking that relationship from being one. So some evil words that have been sown, evil seed. Someone to even I remember somebody they told her. As a young girl that she was so ugly, she could not amount to anything. And then as an adult, it began to affect her. And I remember somebody who couldn't even be pregnant because growing up, she was told that she would never be pregnant. And there was one of the parents that kept telling her, you can't be pregnant. And she grew up and couldn't be pregnant, became a Christian, still couldn't be pregnant. Until the Lord began to lead them and the pastor, pastor began to ask her some things. And the pastor realized that there is a word in her that will not let her believe God to be pregnant. Somebody planted it. That seed was there. And then the pastor had to pray with her and ask God to uproot that thing. And she got pregnant immediately. See, what we're talking about is a very serious something. Very, very serious something. You, you can't allow the, the, the offshoot of this things in your life. Because it, it, it causes you a lot. It says it defies the Christian. It, it diminishes you. You can't achieve your potential. You, you need to understand the, 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 the tremendous power that is in the Christian. That one Christian alone went to a town and there was joy in the whole city because one person came to town. One, not two. Your presence by presence in our family should bring tremendous influence because of the God that lives in us. We're not just church goers. And so we need to really go to God in prayer. If you notice that these things are manifesting in your life, there's no need sweeping under the carpet. And go to God and say, Lord, this, this, this thing that's not planted by you needs to go. I mean, sometimes you may not even know the root, but God knows the root of everything. And God can uproot it. If you allow him, if you desire. And to some of us, there have been things that God told you to do, you neglected them. But that's, that's what will solve your problem. You may not connect them, but God knows that if you do this one, then you disable this one. And he says, go Apologize to this person. You will not go and do so. So you will not, and for years you will not. And for those years, those things remain there, incapacitating you, reducing your ability to be effective in the hand of God, and robbing you of your blessings too. Let me tell you, if you don't work on your heart, it will be difficult to believe God. When you hear, you can hear scriptures, but they will lodge in your intellect level. That's where it will be. And until it goes down to your heart, because faith is of the heart, until it goes down to your deep spirit, that the Holy Spirit plants it there, it will not produce any, 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 any fruit at all. The things we do unconsciously, we yield to them. Unconsciously, they just overtake you. Unconsciously, they just overtake you. Isn't it time you ask yourself some questions? Should I be a slave to anything? Why should this thing overtake me? Why are we comfortable with slavery? Are we? Shouldn't we talk at ourselves and say, this thing that overtakes me controls me? Is is it of God? Why am I succumbing to it? Why? It's a tree not planted by God. And you go to God in sincere prayer. That's if you want. But if you're enjoying it, enjoy yourself if you want so in second Timothy 225 in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth 26 and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil haven't been taken captive by him to do his will. The devil wants us to do his will, to bear his own fruit. You know, he went to Jesus. He said, why don't you do my will? Why don't you bow down and worship me? Because he's a very proud spirit. So the instructions that God has given us, those instructions are to help us not to do his will. And let me remind us all my brothers and sisters, that the enemy of our soul relentlessly attacks all of us. He's a very persevering spirit. If you haven't found that, you will find it because that's his job. He relentlessly attacks us to try to penetrate our mind, penetrate our mind with dirty, dirty thoughts, with all manner of vengeful thoughts, with all manner of thoughts. It doesn't matter how Christian you are, he will, he will tempt you. He tempted Jesus. But it's always a, rel- a relentless thing. You know, Christians are surprised when the, something happens to them and the thing repeats again. They haven't been reading this Bible. It's a relentless thing. And the Bible wants us not to give him place. Ephesians 4 27 neither give place to the devil. Let him that, stole, let him that uh, stole, steal no more. You see how we give place. You see, he continues to illustrate that that give place. He said, don't steal. Because if you are stealing, you are doing his will. Let him that stole, stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor, working with his hand, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that uh, needed. If you want to know how relentless he is, Look at Luke 4.13. Look at our Lord Jesus, who is our example, the bishop of our soul, the savior of our souls. Look at him. In Luke 4, 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He does that to everybody. He will bombard you with these thoughts you think is the end. No. Don't worry about it. He's coming back. He will try again. But because he tries again, you also will steadfastly resist him. So let it not surprise you. Just know that it's a normal thing. He left him for an opportunity. And the next time we had the Holy Spirit was telling us about the Lord Jesus. Look at all the you thought it was once. Look at Hebrew 4:15. For we have not a high an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Like as we are, yet without sin. You know, so it wasn't just one point. He, he will come back and tempt here, come back and tempt here, come back and tempt. In all points, he said like we too. Tempted in all points, in all points, in all, in all points. Like we too. It's a relentless spirit wanting to penetrate your mind. So the Bible tells us to resist him. We just have to do what the Bible says to do. Look at Acts 5.3. But Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan... Feel their heart. See what I mean? Feel their heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. When you're in a situation and something convinces you to lie, you know, we say something. I want to ask God, does something talk? It's a being. Something is a being. I mean, you guys say something told me. What is the something? Does something inanimate something talk? No, it's a being. It tells you lie, lie, lie. Don't tell the truth. Just lie. You are free. Tell, if you tell lies, you can get something out of this. Person. He said, why has the devil filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? It's always trying to penetrate our mind. Always trying to do that. So the scripture tells us what to do. First Peter 5, 8. Be well balanced. Be temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours the devil roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger seeking someone to seize upon and devour withstand him withstand him withstand him can we say that together I want it to be louder please withstand him withstand him be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same thing, the same thing, sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood and the whole body of Christians throughout the world. The same thing. So it's, it will be our job to really, really stand firm and resist him. You know, a thief comes to steal what you have. And if you know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Bible says he was manifested to destroy all the works of the enemy. And if he had destroyed all the works of the enemy, what are you fighting to destroy? What are you fighting to destroy? If Jesus had defeated him on the cross, what are you fighting to defeat? What you need to fight again, what you need to do is to protect what you have, which he wants to steal, which is your victory. Which is your victory. David says something that will help us to, to overcome fear, that will help us really to, to stand firm against the enemy. David says something in Psalm 23, verse 4. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear what? No evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, says, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of Corona, or whatever you call it. Jesus said, part of what is on the table is children's food. It's healing. Why healing? Because God knows that the enemy will try to attack you and convince you that the work of grace is not true. That Jesus didn't heal you. And that the protection of the blood is not true. It's a liar. And the moment you buy into it, he gets in. And many do. I'm telling you, many do. Because the testimony you overcome, you don't give it when it's required. So David says, he prepares the table before me. The presence of mine cares about mine. Presence of my table. I'm going to enjoy myself. And he talks about the Lord being with me. When David was talking about passing through the valley of shadow of death, it's not a particular place. It's passing through this world. Passing in this world of darkness. Where devil is the God of this world? The shadow of value of death. This is the world in which we live. Even before corona, and corona will soon be over, even after corona, this world is, is the God is the devil. The culture is evil. It's evil. So we're really passing through the shadow of, value of shadow of death, all of us. But he said, I will not fear for one reason. What was the reason? Let me hear you. Talk with me. You know, somebody told me that one advantage of a uh, face mask is that he can sleep behind it. Please let nobody sleep. I will see you through your face mask. He said, Pastor, I did the advantage. I can sleep. i cover my face. You will see me. <laughs> so, so the reason that David gave is thou art what with me. But that statement that David made, can I tell us something? It's not a statement you can just make. It's not something because you came to church and you danced about it. You have to have a witness of the Spirit that is true. It's a statement of faith that comes from knowing the truth. It's not everybody can say to Corona the Lord is with you. Can't do nothing. No. You have to know. You have to have the witness of the Holy Spirit in you that Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God, is with you. You have to. And that knowing solidifies your faith. The shield is up there. David said, I will fear no evil. Feel shield is up there. shield is up there. But you can't make that statement unless you have the witness of the Holy Spirit in you. And you know it that he's with you. But, you know, in order to have that kind of witness, we must understand that there are things that produce that fellowship. There are things that hinder that fellowship. There are things the Holy Spirit cannot witness of manifest presence of God with you if you are in disagreement with God, if you are walking in doubt and unbelief, if you can't agree with him because two can't walk together except they agree. That's why developing your faith is very critical because you have to agree with God all the time. It's not God. When God says, I've done this, you go and be talking another thing. Where is the fellowship coming from? He will be there, but he will not manifest. He will be there, but he will not manifest. The power of God is here. Whatever two or three are gathered, Jesus said, I'm there, he's here. But it's not always when the, where the power is that it's manifested. So fellowship is not automatic in the sense that if the manifest presence of God begins to act in your life simply because you are born again. There are things that enhance fellowship with God. There are things that hinder fellowship with God. The first choice a Christian has to make, in developing intimacy with God, is that he has to make a very important decision. must have to choose who to fellowship with. I have to choose that, you have to choose that. Let, Brethren, let me tell us the truth. Things don't happen until you take a decision. You don't allow things; things just fly around you, just living life every day, go to work, come back, take your chip. That's not how to live your life. You have to make have red lines. You have to have. You have to have boundaries. You have to have make a decision. You have to make a decision and be principled enough to be guided. You have to make a decision. And so the first decision a Christian must make is Deuteronomy 15. See, I have said before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his status and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land without thou goest to possess it. 17. But if thy heart turn away. If you choose not to, so that thou will not hear God, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong that your days upon the land, without thy grace over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have said before you life and what? That blessing and what? Causes, Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. But you know we can choose not to listen to God like many do. You can choose not to. You can choose to play religion. You can choose to be comfortable in what you are doing. Because nobody knows it. Nobody sees it. You can, be, you can choose to, to, be, to let your flesh be ruling you and then bring out all of worship. You can choose to have split personality. In church you are one penny, the other person you are something. At different times you are this, different times. You can choose it. God says, I've placed before you something, choose this. It's, it's saying choose life. I want you to choose life. But you can also choose not to fellowship with God. It's not automatic. Look at Ephesians five eleven. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of Darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in the secret. Some people choose this unfruitful work of darkness because of pleasure it gives them, because of advantage it gives them, because of the type of friends it gives them. They accept them that they are friends, they are popular here and there. They choose it. Some people do. From pastor to people do. People do choose that. But God gave us a message in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And I declare to you, God is light. God is what? Light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So if you are choosing these works of darkness, understand that God is light. There's no darkness in God at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God. But go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. He said, this is the message I heard from Jesus. This is the message from Jesus. This is the message from Jesus. Go back to verse 5, please. This is the message we had from Jesus. Verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, is son, cleanses us off from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only deceitful in ourselves. I'm not living in the truth. So, Jesus said, I'm light. If you want fellowship with me, you need to do away with this works of darkness. That's why we need to go and say, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Go to God and say, Lord. Do exactly what David did. Search me, Lord. Anything that's not of you prove it. I'm done with all this things. Do it now. Just do it now. And see what happens the next few days of your life. You'll You'll be like, wow. Romans one twenty one. Because that when because that when you knew God you see the choice we make, when you knew God they glorified him not, when they knew God they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They know God, they come to church, they hear the sermons, they hear the teachings, the Bible study, well, as if the one they hear, they, know. they live at their leisure. If they want to hear, if they can pay the price. If once they pay, they think they've done too much for God and God owes them a lot. They are there in the church. Every church has Professing themselves to be wise. The Bible said they became fools because they knew God, but they chose not to glorify him as God. Ephesians 4.18 Their minds are full of darkness. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Close their minds, hardened them. You are preaching, this. yeah, Pastor, yeah, but what is the but? Because you've made up your mind not to honor God. That's the but. Because you want to honor yourself. And God says, remember the choice you're making, it's either for life or for death. The says if you follow the flesh, you shall surely die. Not whether you shall, you will surely, it's not whether, surely, you will lead to death. Ephesians 4.19. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. Anybody have made Christians party with the word party? Drink all over the place. Lossful pleasure. And and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. But that, I want us to read verse 20 together. Let's go. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. That's not what we learn about Jesus. It's not what we learn about Jesus. And the, the, the thing that causes trouble is that we worship God we don't know. When a person is worshiping a God he doesn't know, he'll be confused. He will be walking in presumption. He will be presuming that, because he doesn't know God, he'll be presuming that this is what works for God, and presuming that this is what works for God, gets into religious practices, because he doesn't know God. doesn't know God. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26, so run with purpose in every step. Run with purpose in every step. And, and I am not just shadow boxing. Presumption is shadow boxing. You know, like you close your eyes. You know, Do you, Have you seen how women fight in the village? They are just scratching whatever they can scratch. And if they scratch your face, then the nail will go to walk parallel and you bleed. So you're scratching, scratching, beating, breaking. But have you watched boxers? They aim they have a point where they are aiming the blow. They are not fighting like a, you know, scratching. No. They have a point where he wants to really land a blow. And if he lands a good one there, pumped, His opponent is on the floor. Have you seen wrestlers? They have a plan. They go for the arm. They want to weaken that arm. They keep turning it. They go, they go back there. They keep turning it. They, until that arm is weakened enough. You can't do much anymore. They pin you down and you're gone. The Bible says we should live our lives on purpose. Not, not with presumption, you know, whatever. Somebody from my village, his name is whatever the day brings. It's not a good name. But what brings it about is because we, you worship a God you don't know. John four twenty. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Did you see confusion? Doesn't know God. So he says, our fathers worship here, but the people say it's there, so where do we worship? And Jesus now corrected her and taught her. And I, I said in verse 21. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. Woman, what? Believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither. On this mountain or in Jerusalem, worship the Father. Why? You worship what you do not know, woman. That's your confusion. Don't know God. You don't know who He is. But we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now Jesus taught Him. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Why? God is what? Spirit. He said, you don't know God. He's a spirit. He's a spirit. It's not localized to your mountain or there. He's a spirit. You didn't know it's a spirit. And those who worship him, the important thing is not where. It's not where. The important thing is how. Because he didn't know God. So he thought that what, what was important is a place. And Jesus corrected him. He said, it's a spirit you are worshiping. You know, I was talking about you are a spirit. I don't know how many Christians believe that. And yet they are the same people who say, I'm born again. If you are born again, what are you really saying? That which is born of the Spirit is what? That's what they are saying. My Spirit. God is a Spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit, not in flesh, not by your feeling, not by your human understanding. You have to worship him by your own spirit, bypass your human understanding, bypass your feelings, bypass human culture, bypass your human wisdom, whatever. You worship him by your spirit, born again spirit. You worship him by your spirit. Paul said, I serve Christ by my spirit. And in truth, you worship him according to his word, according to his testimony. Not by what you can cup up in your head and think that's the way to worship God. God tells you, no. You worship me like this. This is Because you don't know it, it teaches you how. It teaches me how. You worship him in spirit and worship him in truth. Because it's his spirit. You can't worship him in the flesh because it's his spirit. And Second 2 Peter 2.10 tells us that presumption is walking in the flesh. 2 Peter 2.10, and especially those who walk according to the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed, can't teach them anything, they know too much. Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of uh, dignitaries. You know, uh, Spudgeon said something very interesting. He said, beloved, it is not office. It is honestness. It is not position. It is grace which will enable us to glorify God. It is not office. It is sincere desire, honestness. It's not position. But this is what people fight over, <laughs> position. Because they don't know God. If they know God, they know it's not position. It is the grace of God. It is Christ crucified that should be your posture, not position. Because position will make you do anything better. It's the grace of God. It's the workings of grace. It's the activity of the spirit of Christ that makes a man what he will be. But not knowing God, the partial position, and if you take it from them, they fight and leave the church straight up. But they don't know God. Presumption is very dangerous. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Sure. Now, if, if I don't know God, and I know that God is love, I will not understand that God deals with me through his love, through his grace, because by nature, He's love. And then God will, be, God will be very happy if I deal with people also through his love, through his love, because it's love by nature. And the Bible says if you don't love, you don't know him yet. If you don't love, you don't know him. How many people cling to laws and this and this because they don't know that God is love? That he deals with you through, through the works of grace, through the works of mercy. And then through that, he, that love that is in you, he wants to use it to also deal with people too. Through you. We need to take charge of our lives. God has given us. And not to let... The devil just come in there and plant anything that makes us fearful. Proverbs 25, 28, he that had no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Matthew 18, 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So the choice we make is up to us. We can, we can disallow things. We can allow things. We can have rule over our spirit, or we become a city broken down without walls, and anything can crawl in there. And we have to reign and take charge of our lives here on earth, because we are stewards of what God has uh, given us uh, here on earth. Because of time, I'm not going to go into disorder other details about or some of this, but look at Philippians it. Finally, brethren. Finally, brethren. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good what? report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. This is our think list. Again, it's a choice. You can choose not You can choose to ignore God and say he doesn't know what he's talking about. But he's giving you his word. Choose. We need to control ourselves. We need to control. God has given us the ability to control our lives. He said said you should reign on earth. Whatever things you disallow. So we have the ability to disallow. We are his representatives here on earth. We speak for him. He gave us that privilege. We use his name to cast out devils and say, you're not doing this in here. Yeah. We do that. So we should control what we think. We should control what we hear. What you're hearing is ego report. Is it, is it of virtue? The Holy Spirit gave us this and made choice. Brethren, choice. Choice, 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 choice all the time. Again, people who don't know God think that it's about religious activities. They, they, they don't know It's presumption. Control of our eye. Control of our eye. Proverbs 4.25. Let thy eye look straight on and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Let thy eye look straight on. Don't let the enemy take your eyes away from Jesus. And then Isaiah six three. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Now Job one. I want us to read Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes, not to look. Are you reading with me? No, I didn't want you to read with me. Because you have, you, you're muffling your voice. Just listen to me. I made a covenant with my eyes, not to look with lust at a young woman. For what has God above chosen for me, for us? What is our inheritance from the Almighty? Think of this. Think of this this man's mindset. What is asking himself? What has God chosen for me? Why should I choose something else? What has God chosen for me? Why should I choose something else? He says, says, for what has God above chosen for us? What is our inheritance from the Almighty on high? Isn't it calamity for the wicked and misfortune for those who do evil? Does he doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? Oh yeah, ask in church whether people lie or tell lies. Ask yourself. Is, why, 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 do, why don't we recognize the value of honesty and truthfulness? Job said, what did God choose for me? If I'm trying to talk to my sister now she's asking me a question, what did God choose for me to tell her? Is it to know the truth? Even if, even if I did something wrong, I shouldn't I what did God choose? Is it not to tell her the truth and say, My sister, yes, it's like this. I'm sorry. Isn't that what God chose for me? Instead of going there and deceiving her and say, Oh, sister, how can you how do you think of I can't do something like that? Well, Job said, but God is watching me. He said, Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? Let God weigh me on the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity. Can I hear amen? Brethren, this is the thought of this people. Look at 2 Peter 2.5. And God did not spare this ancient world except for Noah and his seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. You see, Noah warned them of God's, and then God protected me of assist. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Seven. But God also rescued lots out of Sodom because, 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 because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him yeah lord was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and had day after day how many christians are tormented by the evil around us by the wickedness among us that they, they drive them to pray and seek god as long as the paycheck is good yeah that's why we leave money I was, I've always wondered, I said, no, why did you use this uh, old sense so much in great power? And I went to study Elijah. I said, I want to find out. Why did Elijah, why did God use Elijah like this? I began to see these people, they feared God. They really. This the Bible said, Noah told them, say, this is wrong. And this man said, the, the Bible said his heart was grieved, seeing what was around. The iniquity around. Lot. 2020, the Holy Spirit is pleading with Christians. Please don't love the world. It's barely holding us back. Don't what? Love the world. Because we love. Opposite of love. Opposite of love. Go to movies. We're entertained by their movies. Whatever they wear, we wear. If they wear rag, we wear rag. Shocks me that you can't find so many people from other type of Believes can't even wear. They don't. They defend their faith so, so strongly. You can't see them do that. It's more than two, more than I mean, America movies. Movies, it will move you. Movies will what move you? If it's Christian movie, I understand. I'm warning you now. Movies will move first look at it. First John 2.15. They are pleading with us. Pleading with us. They were not pleading with Lot. Lord. Lot's mind was already made up. The man was so, God saw his heart and I said, this man doesn't want this But in, in 2020, they are begging Christians. The Holy Spirit is begging us. Do not what? Love the world. Not the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father where he, they are begging us. Oh boy, they're begging us. And we wonder why there's no power. Wonder why we can't heal the sick. Wonder why we can't cast out demons. Because we don't honor God. Bible said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you want to deal with the devil, the first thing you do is to humble yourself before God. A rebel can't cast out a rebel. More so, you can't have faith for that. Because these things will block the word of God entering your spirit. Finally, we must learn to kick out the devil and kick him with authority. Luke 436. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits that they come out. With authority and power. You don't talk to the devil like, you talk to him with authority. You talk to him with power. You talk to him like you mean it. You talk to him like there's no, there's no option. You don't have the option here. You're getting out. You're getting out. And when he bombards your mind with all these thoughts, let him know in no uncertain time there's no chance of him, of, of him penetrating your mind. It's closed against him. Like Lot, get angry. Because you're fighting for your soul. Let's bow our heads to Our precious Father, I want to thank you for preparing your church for a glorious time, for the time of the move of your spirit is here. The time the world will see your greatness is here. The time you choose to reveal your son is here. But you are cleaning the verses up. So that will be verses of honor. A glorious time of revealing the lordship of Jesus. Not just in word, but in action. Not only in the church, because people who need help are mostly outside the church. It will become verses through which you can touch people you love, heal people you love, restore people you love. For nobody in his right mind will drive his car into a ditch. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they are doing. But we two also don't have to be in the same class. You're cleaning up your church for a glorious moment. So you be all that glory. We bless you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I want to, we're done with the word. We're going to pray for the sick. The kingdom of God is not just what. We're going to pray for the sick. Jesus wants to heal people. Jesus wants to set people free. We've been assigned, we have commission to preach the gospel and heal the sick. So we'll not be fulfilling our commission if we don't pray for the sick. So now we're going to pray for the sick. And everybody hearing me, wherever you are, and you're hearing me now, and you believe that Jesus heals. And he heals truly. He loves you enough and wants to heal you now. All you need to do is, when I pray, you say, amen, m-m, and believe it, and he will heal you. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm not your healer. I don't have the ability to heal you, but Jesus does. When we call the name of Jesus, it represents his presence. For a person, is identified by their name. So I'm going to pray for you now. If you are here, you just show Jesus where you want him to touch you. Wherever you are, show Jesus where you want him to touch you. And he will touch you. There is no sickness too big for Jesus to heal. He is life is the source of life. Father, I want to thank you. For your will is not that people will be sick, Not that people will be bound. That's why you send your son, Jesus. To deliver us from all our enemies and the hands of those that hate us. So we can serve you without fear. You sent your church in whom you live. Through whom you walk. Through whom you show your works of love for your love you sent us to go and bring the world the good news to the world the good news of the gospel of salvation including deliverance from healing deliverance from sicknesses deliverance from all manner of bondages for your will is for people to be free and so lord in fulfillment of your commission to the church all of us here are praying together now Father, we begin to ask you to stretch forth your merciful hand of healing, to touch everybody that is hearing us now. Even though I'm the one speaking, but we join our faith together as a body of Christ. We are doing this together, Father, because you are living in us. We are a place of your habitation, that the world will know that Jesus is Lord over all. Father, we pray that you stretch forth your hand to heal your people. To heal your people of all types of diseases. Whether they are in hospital. Whether they are in their homes. Whatever they are. Father, let your hand touch them. You are a spirit. Distance does not stop you. Wars do not stop you. Nothing stops you. Because you are a spirit. Father, we ask because you are love. You care it for us. That, Father, you heal your people. Even those who are here. In this sanctuary now, of any infirmity, Father, straight forth your hand and heal your people. Heal your people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every power of the enemy that is taking your people captive in one way or the other, you commissioned us, Lord, to cast out demons. That's why you gave us the name of Jesus. Father, we stand and we are doing what you told us to do. We lift up the name of Jesus and we use that name to knock out all those demonic oppressions in their lives. We command you, evil spirits, to take your hands off these people. Stop oppression them, oppressing them, stop tormenting them, stop bothering them. Take your hands off their lives right now. Wherever you those people hearing us right now, any demonic oppression in your life, we stand against it, we come against it. We command it destroyed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, merciful Father. Blessed be thy name. We believe your word. We act on your word in private, in public. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus is Lord over everything. We pronounce it, we act it, we do it because it is true. We bless you, Father. We worship you for the privilege to be called by you, to be used by you. Not in arrogance of our self-righteousness because it's not our holiness, it's not our power. It is your grace, it's your mercy. And we bow in humility and worship you. In Jesus' name, we pray.